Okay, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Ryan White, um, and I uh, work uh, for the New York City Economic Development Corporation in the Ports and Transportation Department, uh, and I'm the Director of Freight Initiatives. Uh, I just want to say thank you uh, for coming to our panel today, which is Freight Don't Wait, uh, New York City's Freight Infrastructure Investment for Tomorrow's Economy. Uh, I think Beth did a great job at sort of introducing, um, you know, port activity writ large, and I think with this panel we'll sort of get into some of the nitty-gritty, um, thanks to the two gentlemen uh, next to me. Um, so quickly I'll provide uh, some background. Um, Mike Stamanis, who's on, on my far left, uh, is the president of uh, Red Hook Container Terminal LLC, uh, operating two terminals in New York Harbor. Uh, and one terminal in Texas. Mike has been in his role since 2011, operating uh, Red Hook. Uh, and he, is, uh, he began his career 20, uh, I'm sorry, 32 years ago in the maritime industry uh, working for Ecuadorian Line. Um, and to my immediate left is, is Bob Nixon. Um, and he's a senior operations maritime executive at GCT New York um, on Staten Island. Uh, Bob has over 17 years of extensive experience uh, in terminal operations. Uh, Bob oversees all terminal activity at GCT, and prior to joining GCT, uh, spent 13 years on the steamship agency side of the business. Um, before we get into uh, some questions uh, for these gentlemen, I just wanted to run through uh, something that we've been working on at the city called Freight NYC, which is the latest uh, freight plan announced uh, in July um, that we're excited about. Um, the freight plan really, as Beth mentioned, is in response to, um, you know, changes in the supply chain, the fact that freight volumes are growing in the harbor, uh, and to be really proactive rather than reactive and think holistically about how can we plan, uh, you know, New York City infrastructure for the future. Um, and given the fact that I work for the City uh, Economic Development Corporation, jobs is a major component of this. Um, thus, uh, Freight NYC, which is the, the name of the plan, fell under what's called New York Works, um, which was uh, Mayor de Blasio's jobs plan uh, two summers ago. Um, quickly, the plan, it's a, it calls for $100 million in new freight infrastructure investment in both maritime and rail, um, and with the goals of creating about 5,000 jobs, reducing congestion, improving air quality uh, in the city. Uh, and we hope to do that through, uh, as I said, investments in maritime and rail infrastructure, but as well as um, new urban distribution space and uh, changes in the sort of last mile delivery, uh, promoting clean trucking. Um, as Beth mentioned, you know, we in the city and in the harbor have this over-reliance on trucking, which creates congestion that you know, affects all of us. It affected my commute today, as well as Bob and Mike's. Um, so, you know, this is really uh, in response to that. Um, we know that freight volumes are only going to be increasing. Um, I think Beth had mentioned 12 to 17 million TEUs per year over the next few decades. Um, in New York City alone, we forecast about 68% increase in freight volumes. And even given the fact that we're not building excess highway capacity, you know, we've got to move that freight somehow. Um, thus, the call to invest in particularly maritime infrastructure um, you know, this, this marine highway announcement that, that uh, we partnered with the Port Authority on is, is really big, it's exciting, um, and, um, you know, we'll get that running uh, very soon. Um, I'm just going to skip through here um, so we can get to the panel. Uh, this is just a slide about the, the council that we created, the North Atlantic um, Marine Highway Alliance. 
uh, of which uh, the Port Authority and EDC will be sort of spearheading. Uh, but we look forward to getting other ports uh, and terminal operators uh, and serv service providers on board uh, very soon. Um, and I thought before we begin, it'd be just nice to see a sort of map of the harbor uh, where a lot of the terminals are. I'm sure many of you know these facilities, but it's always nice to see where they are. So we'll be um, hearing from uh, the gentlemen that run the two terminals on the map, which is uh, Global Container Terminal on Staten Island, as well as Red Hook uh, in Brooklyn. So with that, um, I'm going to start with a softball question. Um, uh, let's start with Bob. Um, can you describe your terminal, uh, where it's located, the services you provide and offer, and any other general uh, information about your business? Sure. Um, so first of all, we actually operate two terminals in the Port of New York and New Jersey. As Beth alluded to, uh, we also have GCT Bayonne. So between GCT Bayonne and GCT New York, that makes up two of the four terminals that we own and operate in North America. Uh, our principal owner is Ontario Teachers Pension Plan out of Toronto. Uh, they've recently divested a bit of their uh, investment and they have a couple new partners on board, IFM out of Australia and BCI out of British Columbia. So we're on the northwest corner, GCT New York, and we're a full service stevedore operator. So we provide services from uh, vessel activity, discharging and unloading vessels, uh, truck service, delivering to the trucking community and receiving from the trucking community, on-dock rail operations, as well as warehouse operations. Thank you, Bob. And how about Mike? Uh, good morning, everybody. It's uh, wonderful to be here this morning in such a wonderful place, talking about such an important topic. Red Hook Container Terminal is a uh, container operator in Red Hook, Brooklyn. Uh, we serve the container trades as well as break bulk cargo, uh, dry bulk cargo, and uh, we offer a facility in Port Newark, New Jersey as well that handles primarily container on barge, uh, row row services to West Africa and the Middle East, and most recently we're designated the winners of an RFP for the South Brooklyn Marine Terminal by Ryan's group at the NYC EDC, which will allow us to expand our capabilities in Brooklyn and have a third facility that can service not only container on barge and dry bulk, but in particular, eyed towards servicing the emerging industry of offshore wind, as, as Beth just mentioned. Uh, we also operate a row row terminal in Texas and a row row facility in, in Baltimore, Maryland. Great, thank you, Mike. Um, so my, my next question, uh, for the panel is, uh, you know, given the, uh, the rise of freight volumes, um, uh, the lack of investment in highway infrastructure, uh, the challenges in trucking, we know that there's new regulation with the ELD uh, uh, mandate, um, as well as an aging sort of trucking workforce. Um, you know, what do you see in the harbor uh, in terms of trends over the next five, 10 years? Obviously, we know that the supply chains are changing. Uh, Beth mentioned that a lot of scrap isn't headed for China anymore, it's headed for Turkey. Um, so do you, you know, beyond those changes, do you see uh, trends in the industry that may uh, affect your terminals uh, here in the harbor? I think uh, congestion's a big part of it, uh, but as terminal operators, I think our goal is that we just have to figure out ways to increase our velocity through our terminals. Uh, today we work very uh, collaboratively with people like the Port Authority and the EDC. Uh, we, we have a thing called, uh, a program called TIPS, which is an information portal system that we work. The uh, six terminals in New York Harbor work together. 
to increase uh, information to the trucking community, to the, all the other customers that are using our facilities. Uh, and I think that, you know, being able, having the ability to have a, a fair playing field uh, for each terminal, for me as an example, I'm on the other side of a bridge in Staten Island. Port Authority's worked um, very, very good for us in, in helping us develop a program that makes it less expensive than it would be otherwise. Um, but being able to compete uh, allows us to attract the services and then as a, an investor, our, our parent company, then they'll go ahead and invest in our companies to, to allow us to compete in the, in the larger harbor. But I think, um, I think ensuring that we continue to work very closely together as a harbor uh, is very important to the success of the harbor. So when I look at Ryan's slides and I look at the, when we talk about trends and you see a 68% increase in freight volume by 2045, that's a, a hugely important trend to focus on. And it's hugely important to, to realize that Bob and I operate facilities uh, east of the Hudson that have capacity of less than probably a million TEUs in a port complex that has capacity, Beth, I think of 12 million TEUs. And so when Beth talks about these increasing volumes that are gonna take place over the next 20 or 30 years, and there's limited places to grow, uh, I think 60% of the freight that comes into the New Jersey terminals ultimately ends up back in New York City serving the five boroughs, and it's all coming in by truck. And Red Hook Container Terminal today operates uh, a, a cross-harbor barge service that the Port Authority has been supporting for about 20 plus years now, taking about 30,000 truck trips off the bridges in and out of New York City. And for us looking at trends, we, we're all sitting in a position here today to be part of a, the solution of a major problem that affects the lives and the quality of life of everyone who lives and works in New York City. And, and part of the initiative that was just announced by the Port Authority and EDC, the North American Marine Highway Alliance, is vitally important to helping us find solutions to the trend of continued growth. Um, as Beth indicated and the other folks here on the panel talked about, getting in and out of the city by, by vehicle has become a major challenge for all of us. And as we look forward, it's not gonna get better without coming up with alternative solutions to moving freight in and out of the city. New York City has invested heavily in moving municipal waste by water out of the city. New York City has invested heavily in providing passenger ferry services to move passengers cross harbor in and out of the city. And the time has come now for all of us, stakeholders alike, to start participating and helping to develop the Marine Highway initiative and program, which is not a new idea, it's an old idea. And I recently saw a chart that Buckley McAllister put up showing the trend since 1945 of 30,000 vessels that used to call the harbor down to about 5,000 vessels. Less vessels, but much bigger vessels. And we need the increased capacity to remain competitive and for New York City to remain economically viable in the future. So the Marine Highway is, as best said, a time, its time has come, and we look to everybody in this room and outside of this room who are, who are vitally important to making it happen, participate and provide resources to do so. Yeah, thank you, Mike. And I, just to that point, um, you know, we are all collectively working together on this, which is, which is a good thing at the same time. Um, at the city, 
You know, we are going to be developing a uh, barge terminal uh, in the South Bronx to serve the Hunts Point Food Distribution Center, which is the largest wholesale uh, market in the nation. Um, and we're still working through exactly where that would be located, but it's, it's something that we're moving forward with and that we're very excited about um, to sort of anchor this network. Um, and to show that you know the city were prepared to, to push forward, um, thankfully with our partners at the Port Authority, as well as uh, you know the, the Port Authorities in the region, as, as well as Mike here in the harbor. So it's an exciting time, and I, I just wanted to sort of echo that and mention uh, the city's um, investment in that as well. Um, so uh, I have another question. Um, you know, I guess. You, you sort of alluded to this, uh, Bob, in terms of sort of the things you've got coming up. Um, you know, given that New York City, we anchor the largest port uh, on the East Coast, um, can you share, uh, you know, any future opportunities um, for your terminal um, uh, that really does take advantage of the large consumer base here in New York City? Um, either, you know, investments in, you know, with other modes of transportation, perhaps, if there's a way, a way to work with the rail sector um, or with other ports in the harbor, I guess, really, you know, what are the things that, you know, you'll be uh, pushing for uh, in the next few years uh, at your terminals? Well, one of the other things I would touch on, which we, I guess, brushed over a little bit, is also, you know, rail activity. So uh, as Beth mentioned, about 78% of all the vessels coming to the East Coast, the first port of call is a port in New, is a port in New York. So what comes with that is a lot of discretionary cargo. And that's cargo that we compete for. It's one of the major things that we compete for, for you know, against other ports like Norfolk and potentially Savannah, which is growing. Uh, so it's important that, you know, we continue to invest in, in that mode of transportation. And again, the Port Authority has done that uh, in Bayonne. We're about to open in the next few months uh, a new on-dock facility there, Greenville Yard. So the Port Authority is working with us, uh, again, can, and the rail providers to continue to be competitive. That's also one of the highest areas that we've seen growth on, consistent growth on year over year. I mean, every month the Port Authority comes out with a, a new stat and they've broken another, you know, intermodal record. So pretty impressive. At my terminal, we've seen volume as high as 35% of our overall vessel lift going to rail. So that's very high. Um, so I think if, you know, we got to continue to invest in, in on-dock and intermodal business, and as Mike is obviously and Ryan have both alluded to, I think that the, uh, the marine highway is going to be very critical to make us, and it's just sensible. It's green. It's smart. Uh, as long as you can find the right people to invest in it, uh, to be able to move cargo by, by water to Brooklyn, to all the points eastbound, I think it could be a tremendous success. So, thank you. Somebody got a question? Oh, uh, I think we're, uh, should we do questions? Yeah, we can, sure. of it, this is all Jones Act uh, tonnage required, right, for 5 to 10, 15 mile runs. How is it going to be anything but crazy expensive? So obviously the question, if, if anyone didn't hear that, it was about the Jones Act uh, and how that may, may or may not impact our, our barge service. I don't know, do other of you want to take that one or? Well, when we talk about crazy expensive, what is the cost of not doing it, right? What is the cost to the economy in New York City by not being able to move goods in and out of the city. Um, it, like I said before, investments do need to be made in assets, and we are working with, with stakeholder partners like Secor, 
like McAllister and Columbia Coastal and the Port Authority, which also owns two, two container barges that are fully capable of moving up to 400 TEUs apiece, either across harbor or elsewhere. So I think when we talk about cost, this is a program that can be started fairly quickly with assets that exist today. Uh, it only needs to really be uh, further invested upon in terms of additional new builds uh, under the Jones Act when the program has been fully realized and there's a need and there's a demand that would support those investments. And then I think the cost will equalize itself compared to the continued high rising cost of moving freight by truck. Yeah. I don't know if I need this. Um, can everyone hear me? I just want to know kind of the impact of technology in getting greater efficiencies in your facilities. I mean, Bob, you talked about the information portal that you have set up, and, and Beth talked about you know, using, I guess, renewable energy and other you know, sources. But what technologies are you applying in your facilities to plan for the future for the next 25, 30 years in order to maybe augment all the other steps that are being taken? Well, at our, my sister terminal in Bayonne, uh, they're really on the cutting edge of technology. Um, three quarters of their yard is now uh, semi-automated, uh, rail-mounted gantries. And so what that means is that the entire time that the rail-mounted gantry is operating within the yard, it's, it's unmanned. It's running based on the computers. And what that's allowed us to do is, again, to increase the velocity and to maximize you know, the space that we have available to us. Um, it's allowed us to handle the larger ships, be able to you know, accept that volume in. Uh, the only time actually that a human being then touches it is actually when the container is being landed onto a chassis or taken off of a chassis. So the ILA has worked with us very well in, uh, in making sure that we can come up with a, a reasonable manning structure to support that technology. But without that kind of a, you know, technology that we have in that yard today, we wouldn't be able to keep up with these larger ships. Uh, in addition to that, uh, GCT Bayonne was the first terminal to go to an appointment system in the harbor, and that has improved truck turn times by over 60%. Uh, it gives them some stability and understanding when their container is going to be available. And again, just a little bit about the technology. So from the time that the driver gets into the facility and his, and his RFID tag is read uh, on his tractor, it tells the computer that he's on his way. So by the time that driver you know, goes through the route of the facility and backs into his spot, the box is coming to him. So I mean, it's just done tremendous things for uh, our terminal activities and for the truck turn times. And I think more of that is gonna be needed as we go into the future. As Beth mentioned, two other terminals should be coming online early 2019 with appointments. I would just add to that that um when it comes to technology, one of the areas that all the ports need to be focused on is in cybersecurity. And whether it's blockchain or other technologies that are gonna be uh, emerging, I saw recently this week there were two major terminals that were attacked that had cyber attacks, and we've seen what's happened before with, uh, with Maersk. So I think all of us will be leveraging technology as much as we can to make our facilities more secure. And, and Bob's facilities, GCT, are on the cutting edge in terms of appointment deliveries and automate, automated systems at their facilities. And the rest of us are really in the port are taking their lead.
My question is, um, the raising of the Bay and Bridge, I think, also allowed big ships to get to the Staten Island, to your terminal. Um, most of the fire and attention goes to the New Jersey terminals, but um, that helped you, and you also had the, the new Gothels Bridge uh, open. Uh, however, I, it's my understanding in the past that the high uh, tolls hurt the terminal. I was just wondering what impact has, has the raising of the bridge had, and has it boosted your uh, volume, and it seems like you're a big source of extra capacity if the volumes go up. Thank you. So uh, yes, the, the raising of the Bayonne Bridge did help us. We were able to, uh, once the bridge was raised, we were able to slide a vessel, one of the South American services that we have from Bayonne uh, to our facility. At that time, uh, it could not get under the bridge. So that was a big part, uh, it's a big part of our business today. Um, as far as the toll goes, uh, yet there is a toll. And as I mentioned that the Port Authority has worked with us. Uh, we have a very good plan in place now which significantly reduces the, uh, the bridge toll by, I think, over 65%. Um, we have a, it's fully automated system. Uh, I think that part of it is people are sometimes afraid of it, but once they get into our terminal, and not to beat up Mike now, but I claim to be the fastest marine productivity and the fastest truck turn times in New York Harbor. So because we provide very high level of service at the terminal, I think once people are there, they get very comfortable with the environment and uh, the cost of doing business is, you know, sometimes you go to a more expensive place to get a nice suit because you like the service. So I would relate it to that. So I don't think it's done anything to prevent us from getting business. Uh, I've seen the businesses that we have today grow. And, and as you, I started off by saying, the fact that the, the Bayonne Bridge did go up was critical to our, our current status as a terminal. I would add to that that Amazon just built two or three million square feet of warehouse space on Staten Island. I don't think they're too concerned about it, and I think Bob Terminal will benefit from that uh, in the future as well. Good point. Hello. This is for the freight operators, the port operators. Will we get an LNG facility in any of this region to go against down in, uh, what's that, Dominion Cove or whatever, Baltimore? Well, that's not for us to answer. I mean, we, we operate Marine Port Authority Marine Terminals. Uh, we don't designate where a... LNG facility would go to. Yeah, question uh, right up here, I think. Excuse me. So, uh, in both your views, is 100 million going to be enough to modernize New York City uh, infrastructure to carry out this plan? And if not, how much of that will need to come from either public funds say, the private sector, uh, private equity, et cetera, or uh, banks? So the $100 million that I referenced, that's, that is uh, public investment on behalf of the city of New York. Uh, we recognize that, you know, given the, the needs uh, with infrastructure, that, you know, it's meant to be a first step. Um, but we'll certainly look to our private sector partners to help, um, you know, with future investments. Um, again, this is just to sort of get things going. Um, the, the breakdown is for rail and maritime investments. Um, and so uh, the maritime piece is, is primarily to get the, the barge terminal um, up, at, uh, up in the South Bronx um, 
developed. So, but you know, but we'll be certainly seeking um, additional uh, you know funds from the private sector uh, and terminal operator. I can just tell you that these terminals are not. Uh, they're not cheap to run. Very expensive. The, the investment that we made in Bayonne to put in the RMGs, just the RMGs, was over $300 million. Um, just to buy some new top loaders or, or things like that this year, you know, and some of the other investments I'm going to make in Staten Island, we're going to invest over $11 million in CapEx. So, you know, to, and again, that's just not even including the cranes. To go out and get one new crane today is probably about $17 million. So there's a lot of investment we, we need to make as terminal operators. And obviously, um, there, there is, I think, opportunities. And a lot of the terminals today are owned by private equity. So I think there's plenty of opportunity. They're always looking for, for friends in that regard. And the Port Authority has a $33 billion capital plan over the next, year, next 10 years, which will be investing in port infrastructure heavily. So I think the money has been committed and, uh, and is going to be there to keep and continue to improve port operations here in, in New York Harbor. But that doesn't mean that private investment is not needed as well. And the $100 million committed by the New York City, uh, seven years ago when I first came to Red Hook, nobody was talking about investing in, in this type of activity. So it's a welcome change in thinking and commitment on the part of New York City. Thank you. Any other questions? These are good questions. Yes. Talk a little bit about the rail and how that fits in with Staten Island in terms of how your volume is doing. I think you mentioned the 35% going up. Why is that? Um, again, like any of the terminals in New York, you try to provide a, a good service and you're trying to turn your rail cargo but within 48 hours of discharge of the vessel. Uh, so we've been able to continue to do that on a regular basis. Um, I think that, um, again, working with our rail partners, being able to get that cargo out to the, to, the, to the middle of the United States here, Chicago, it's about 33 hours from the Port of New York. Um, so again, I think just collaborating and providing good service, uh, we, and I guess cost effectiveness as well, and being able to, uh, to turn this cargo quickly and get it out to the consumers. Okay. Um, I think that we uh, can end there uh, to get back on schedule. Um, again, thank you to Bob and Mike for participating in the panel today, and thank you all for coming. Um, and I guess we'll see you all very soon. Thank you.